Welcome in, everybody, to episode 18 of the High School Huddle podcast presented by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. I'm Peter Dawson, as always, and I'm joined by Brian Gossett here. Brian, how are you doing on this Tuesday? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, what what do we? Well, we got a lot to get to. We'll jump right into it. What are the what are a few of the topics that we're gonna uh, gonna be touching on today? Yeah, uh, as always, you know, Texas high school football reigns supreme here. So signing day is coming up, uh, February sixth next week. We'll get into some other recruiting news. Um, some of the the younger guys gain some big offers, and then we'll jump into basketball as the the playoffs is just around the corner. Well, we'll start, as Brian mentioned, with National Signing Day kickoff there. The date on that will be next Wednesday, February 6th, coming. You know, you go right off the Super Bowl, right back into uh, high school and college recruiting. Almost all of these recruits have signed during the early signing period in December. We talked about that last week, about how uh, the NCAA and high school have kind of stretched this period out so it's February 6th doesn't mean quite what it once did I mean people you know, I have a friend home from home from Birmingham Alabama who used to wake up and treat this like Christmas morning that that effect has been taken out of it a little bit there are a few that have yet to sign I don't think there's going to be any movement not quite like we saw in the last uh, couple of weeks Jalen Catalan being the, probably the most notable example of a, a player that left his commitment kind of to the last moment uh, but TJ McDaniel from South Lake Carroll might be might be towards the top of the list at least from players in the DFW area that have not signed on the line which is dotted uh, and there are a few others waiting to announce their commitments w- what are you expecting from <laughs> the last leg of this prolonged signing day yeah like you mentioned TJ uh, the SMU commit uh, I'm sure there's a few others on South Lake Carroll that uh, will sign you know, I've been to Salt Lake Carroll a couple of years ago during signing day. They always just sign a lot of people, and 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 let's not forget that it's not just football; it's it's the other sports. And Carroll usually uh, turns out twenty to twenty-five kids uh, that take part in that signing day ceremony. Like you mentioned, a lot of these football players did the early signing period, but they'll still take part in the you know the celebration. Uh, Jalen Callon will will sign with Arkansas, but some of his teammates who already signed, like Terry and Carter, Enoch Jackson, um, I'm sure they'll be there uh, being part of that uh, celebration. And Mansfield does a pretty cool deal. Uh, I think a couple years ago they started it. Mansfield ISD, uh, all five high schools go to one place, uh, one of the event centers there in Mansfield, and they all sit there in front of you know family and friends and and take part of that. And at the end of the sign a little signing deal they'll all every every athlete from all five schools will you know take a picture together so um it's a it's a really neat deal and you know the early signing period it allows you know kids to enroll early uh there's a couple kids that we've talked about jeffrey carter from legacy he's already at alabama cam brown the uh, wide receiver from colleyville heritage is already at texas a&m and then nana osafamensa the lalana the linebacker and defensive end from uh, Nolan Catholic is already enrolled to Notre Dame. So some good uh, with the early signing period that allows, allows kids to start their college experience early. And uh, But definitely, like you mentioned, the National Signing Day has, has lost some of its uh, lust in the last couple of years. 
Yeah, and of course, I think the way things are trending, we, we you know, our, Drew Davison, our college writer and, and analyst across the country, talk a lot about the transfer portal. But even before that, and you know, I hadn't quite paid attention to it before, and I'm sure there have been examples of it, but not to go too far down this road, but you look at a guy, uh, Brew McCoy from USC, a five-star guy, highly sought after. I mean, he was barely on campus. I believe he was part of the class last year, and he was barely on campus, and now he's transferring to Texas. So I, th- I think that that's even something to keep an eye on going forward. You know, everybody gets excited about the top players from their school and the families and the kids, and, and rightfully so. But, you know, I think you're given the way things have gone with the transfer rule, assuming the, the rules stay how they are now, you could, you know, see a lot more examples like McCoy of – you know, man, you think about a guy from your high school or, or, you know, that you followed and he's been on campus for a hot second, whether that's here in Texas or somewhere else. And all of a sudden he's a proverbial college free agent again, uh, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, curious to hear your thoughts. I, I think that's the way it's headed in, unless the NCAA somehow uh, against their against their history manages to kind of figure this whole thing out or, or change the rules for better or for worse. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can kind of chime in here, but it, it seems like uh, I've seen a lot of more of the kids going into transfer portals uh, this year than past. Have you noticed er, that? Or yeah, early. Earlier. Some late, obviously, Jalen Hurts being, you know, guys like Hurts being the most notable example, but, you know, the, the, the shuffle, I mean, the one that comes to mind, and he's obviously, there's a little bit of a local tie with the fact that a lot of people thought Tate Martell was going to end up at Texas A&M. And he did not. He ended up at Ohio State. Now he's down at Miami after Justin Fields transfers from Georgia. I know that's a lot to swallow, but I think the overall point there is, you know, he's a four. Those are both four or five star guys. But even whether you're a three star guy or a five star guy, if, especially a quarterback, if if you're not playing, seeing playing time right now, you can jump ship because you know back in the day it used to be, you know, guys were patient enough to wait for their junior and senior seasons to make it into the starting lineup and get developed. Uh, but even at places like Alabama, where you you have the probably the best chance to have an NFL future, guys aren't waiting anymore. And I think that's you know in some case you know look, there's an argument to be made for kids and families doing what's best for them, which totally makes sense. And I you know personally, I tend to fall a little bit more on that side of it. Uh, but it is going to create a lot of a, a, a different trend and a lot of different scenarios in college, especially when it comes to depth. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Jalen uh, Hurts. Uh, who's now in Oklahoma, and then, you know, staying in the Fort Worth area with uh, Sean Robinson, right? He played the first couple of years right. at TCU. And now Going to Mizzou. Missouri. So, uh, yeah, I think the trend is, is heading toward that way. And, uh, I mean, do you, do you think it's a good thing for, for college football? Ultimately, I, I, like I said, I understand the, the personal nature of it, and especially for quarterbacks. I mean, you know, guys need, a lot of the time, guys, no matter what your physical skill set is, if you think you have a future uh, or even want to try for a future at the next level, the, the professional level, you know, you've got to get two or three years of starting. I mean, look at all the guys. I mean, you have guys like Johnny Menzel, Kyler Murray. I mean, even Baker Mayfield. He's a little bit of a different example. But, you know, these guys are seeing the field as freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. and so I understand it from that perspective. I think irrespective of how you feel about which side uh, you fall on, it's going to create a headache for the NCAA. And like I said, their track record with solving things like this uh, is not good. Now, you know, there, there are some limited, limited examples, and I'm sure there are dozens more that we don't know about. But the one that stands out to me is you have a 
Cam Newton type of situation. If you remember correctly, he was at Florida, got arre- or I think he was charged, but I don't know if he was ever arrested, was dismissed from the school and the program, ends up at Blinn College here in Texas. All right. And then, and, and you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, they say he didn't know about the money that his father was offered at, I believe it was Mississippi State. Hard to believe if his father was offered money at Mississippi State, uh, that he went to Auburn and got no money. Again, up for debate there. But I think that the long story short on that is you could see situations like that. You know, obviously, you want, everybody wants to do this on the up and up, but as we know, it's college sports and amateur sports, and uh, that certainly always is not the case. Yeah, and I mean, if, if you really want to try and be a professional athlete, you know, uh, you got to go somewhere that you think you have a chance of playing. So uh, like, a, like a Tate Martell or a Jalen Hurts, Sean Robinson type deal, go somewhere where you think you have a chance to start and play and, and then get a future in the NFL. Right. Well, moving right along, I mean, sticking with kind of the, the, the I don't want to say leftovers because that, that would be uh, a disservice to these players, but there, there are some guys that aren't ranked or in, in some cases ranked lower uh, on the recruiting because obviously recruiting is a projection of where, you know, it's based on what you've done, not only, but also where colleges think you will be. And obviously the physical skill set goes into that process and recruiting evaluation as much as the accomplishments on the field. But you have a lot of players, especially in Texas. I mean, there are probably hundreds who have had incredible high school careers that aren't even on these recruiting lists. I mean, the two that, that stood out that we talked about here in our pre-show, a guy we've talked about a lot is Quentin Jackson, uh, running back over at Benbrook, uh, and another guy, Chance uh, Cover, Nolan Catholic, linebacker and a tight end. I mean, you know, these guys are looking at, you know, what uh, what used to be one AA uh, type schools, but the lower end of Division One and and schools like that that are not, you know, Power 5 schools or even kind of in the top 125 or so of Division One. You know, so, uh, my feeling on this is, you know, the transfer could be a possibility for those guys in the future, but I think what you're looking at is, and you're going to talk about the schools that they're looking at in a second, but I think the overall theme with the schools you're about to list is some assuming that they main these players maintain that drive and and the commitment to the sport, which they have throughout their entire high school career, whoever lands these individual players is going to get a great deal. And I say deal kind of pejoratively. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Chance Cover, he's, he's uh, a three-star guy, but uh, he hasn't committed yet. I think he's going to, kind of announce uh there next week during national signing day but um just a little surprising that he hasn't committed you know he's been a top linebacker the last three years started uh sophomore year as the leading tackler at byron nelson then the last two seasons at nolan catholic uh his senior year he decides to kind of play on the offensive side so now some of the colleges are offering him to play both ways um also uh, fullback should be in the mix too you know, some of his schools, uh, you know, ACU, Abilene Christian, Air Force, Army, Texas State. I know 24-7 sports has him projected for Texas State, uh, so we'll see there. But he, a lot of the bigger schools like a Baylor, Oklahoma, you know, there were some interests, but he just never got offered, which was still surprising to me. Um, he's a big kid. He's, uh, you know, over 100 tackles last three years. And then Quentin Jackson, uh, it's harder for – I think these smaller schools like a Benbrook um, to get looked at 
And let I mean, let's be honest, the you know, it's you can't get to every single school and every single player. So, well, and there's the level of competition factor. I mean, n- not to take away anything that Jackson or Cover or anyone who's not considered a quote unquote high recruit right. has done on the on the field, but it's hard to you know some schools because of the way the districts and the scheduling works out. I mean, they're only going to face what recruiters and college coaches would consider future NCAA quality competition. So. You know, you can look at camps and you can look at their all their level of tape, but for some of these guys, and again, that's no fault of their own. It's where they live and it's where the way the schedules line up. But some coaches look at that and say, "Yeah, you got great numbers, but your size and speed and, and who you're playing and against. who you're playing." So it's it's a tough it's a tough gig. And then again, secondarily off of that, I mean, then you get into the whole, you know, do you move districts? Do you move schools? You right. know, how how does the uh, the UIL deal with that? I mean, that's a whole other can of worms, maybe for another day, but. There are a lot of factors that that in Texas and across the country, but people probably in Texas are more aware that that factor into the recruitment process that that are just below, you know, what has he done and what can he do? And I uh, just want to mention Quentin Jackson, you know, over 3,000 yards for Ben Brook. He was a AP first team running back. He was an all area running back. Um, he got his first two offers, uh, two official offers, the first one coming from UT Permian Basin. Second one coming from Southern Nazarene. I'm sure there's going to be uh, more here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, this kid, 5'6 uh, kid, uh, I think he's about 185 pounds. So size does play a factor um, in terms of, you know, I don't think he's going to get a, an offer from a big Division One school. But, uh, but yeah, it's just about who, where they are and, and who they're playing. Level of competition, uh, you know, are, would he be able to – to do the same things against, you know, maybe say an Alito or Allen, and then you got just that translates to the college level. Well, and yeah, exactly. And and there's there's the other problem too that I think people that often gets overlooked. That's, that's such a staple of this is that it's very similar to you know a lot of uh, Cowboys are a great example, right? So they draft the player. I'm not going to name names, but they draft the player in the you know first or second round. The team sticks with them. They keep throwing them out there. It's not working, but the the team and the front office and the coaching staff feels this justification to, you know, they've invested money. They're, they've made a selection. You know, their name's on the line. Their jobs are often on the line. And college has an interesting parallel. Now, you know, you could there are definitely differences, obviously, between the NFL salary cap and a scholarship. But a lot of times, these coaches are very invested in the scholarships they've given to kids. Now, I think college coaches have, because they have so much options, and I would argue so much more control, and the financial stake isn't quite as high as the NFL, that they're quicker to pull a trigger if a higher prospect is not contributing. But again, the fundamental problem is the same. You know, guys, if guys like Jackson and Cover you know, decided that they wanted to, and, and there are dozens more like this, if they wanted to walk on at a big school like Texas or TCU or A&M or, or whatever school um, and roll the dice and see they could win it that way, I mean, that's a really hard path to go because even if you max out your skill set and even if you make the most of those limited practice opportunities, a lot of times universities and coaches are inclined to stick with the players that they recruited and invest in, which which is, you know, it's it's unfair, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, you so they they, they could walk on on a, at a Texas, get on the team, but then never see the any playing time. So, right, is it worth it? Yeah, no, and that's something that, and and you know, uh, 
you know, I, I don't know what the financial situation is for, for a lot of these guys, but in some cases, you know, the reality of a scholarship is more valuable than, than risking it. I mean, I, you know, you know, we always look at the guy, the top four and five star guys that, you know, nail down those scholarships early and, you know, going on, even go on to short term NFL careers because those are short. But, you know, for a lot of the guys, for some families and some players, the scholarship is winning is like winning the lottery. So, I mean, that's that's, you know, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. But I think that it in that case is, you know, you know, if a player is having to decide between the between the two, and you say, "Oh, well, why didn't you get?" You know, fans say, "Oh, well, why don't you give it a shot at at those big schools?" Well, there there's other things to consider. Yeah, uh, money's definitely uh, one of them. You know, some of these kids, you know, might have a, a rough go around uh, during their childhood. You know, maybe single parents, whatnot, and uh, getting a scholarship is is really huge for not only them but their entire family. Right, and then that kind of brings us to our next topic, which is you know you look at these sites and. 247 sports and rivals are probably the two most common ones and the two biggest ones and this has and you know better than I do that this has become a a cottage industry uh, in and of itself I mean there's they have the coverage is invested and it and obviously it leans towards these big programs that you know I I enjoy the Justin Rogers and Sean Robinson thing because TCU usually hovers between 25 and 40 when it comes to recruiting classes and Rogers was and Rogers is my favorite example because he was deciding somewhere. I think he was deciding between LSU and TCU, and he I, I believe he was a five. Now I don't I'm, I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure he was a five star recruit. And most people assumed he's from Louisiana. His teammate, uh, also a five star receiver, name's escaping me right now, but also ended up at LSU. And most people assumed that's where he'd be. Of course, TCU swung him late in that process, and you know about that process better than I do. But but all of a sudden, magically, days later, he's down to a four star. Now, why is that? I mean, I, I, th- there are a lot of reasons. LSU is a perennially a top twelve team. TCU is perennially top twenty five. You'd say well, the gap is small. I'm, look, I don't know what the the forces are, but there's definitely there's definitely something at stake for people there, and and things like that. And Rogers is just one example of, of dozens. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not what goes into the whole recruiting sites, twenty four seven sports and rivals. I'm sure they have a ton of guys who, you know, around the clock and, and looking at all these different kids, all these di- different schools. Uh, but just kind of going down, you know, the list on, on both sides, trying to compare both sides, um, it's a lot different. You know, you have some guys who are five stars on 24-7, highly ranked. And then you look at rivals and they might be four or three stars and then they're not even ranked. So, uh, you know, I, re- I really can't explain well, why that? Why that is? Some of these top recruits, like a, uh, I think uh, Theo Weiss from Allen. Uh, I think right. he might fourth, be fourth, fourth overall in the state of Texas. I think yeah, for twenty four seven. I think he's like maybe fifteenth on on rivals. Yeah, and you wonder, I, you know, you wonder if it's uh, again. We I don't know what I mean. Not to build to diminish the work that these guys do because they do a, a tremendous job and. And I think the the positive is that it provides some clarity for fans a little bit to see where things are. Now you'd argue sometimes it provides too much clarity. Yeah. But you know, like you said, I, I wonder. I wonder sometimes if it's contrarian, juxtaposed just for the sake of it, right? So you have one and you have the other, and you say, well, we don't. One of the sites says, oh, well, we don't want to agree with the other site, so that's why the rankings are different. I'm not quite sure. I mean, it might just be you know a discussion topic. You know, you get people to talk. 
Uh, I mean, we're talking about it right now. Right, so of course. They're uh, they're banking on that. So, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about uh, skill ta- skills and their talent, what they do on the field. Uh, I know some of these parents and college coaches, recruiters, you know, they love the rankings and whatnot, but uh, you never know because, you know, I did a list or going to do a list on the kids from DFW. I call them kids. They're NFL, they're NFL athletes talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, they're in the Super Bowl, like a Rex Burkhead. I think he was a two- or three-star kid. Right. And uh, Akeem Tlaib was a two-star kid. Now, you know, Tlaib graduated from high school in like 2004, so I'm sure it's a lot different than it is well, now. Well, right, and I don't, I don't, again, I don't know if this factors into the situation, but there were, I'm, I'm pretty sure even from the jump, there were questions about Tlaib has a legal history yeah. in, the, in college in the NFL, issues at Kansas. Don't know if that factors into that process at all. It'd be an interesting question, all right? Um, but you know, so let's just say he was, let's say he was just a regular kid, you know, two star kid. And now he's, you know, in the Super Bowl. So it's about uh, what what you can do on the field when you get to college. Uh, but there are definitely people who just love, you know, those those recruiting sites and those probably stars. too much. Yeah, sometimes. too much. Um, obviously, you know, one of the things is that that I think quickly on that point bears repeating is that you know when this time comes around next week, and then when the schedule starts next year, and kids start changing their mind, as eighteen year olds are prone to do. Just from a remember when you were eighteen and how. The decisions you made, I'm sure they weren't all the best. But also, again, to that point, they're 18-year-old kids. I mean, if you're a grown man or woman or boy or girl screaming on the Internet or harassing these kids about the decisions they've made, I mean, just think about that. Just take a step back and think about it because it happens every year, just this ugliness. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've seen the, the Twitter world, and, um, you know, when I first got here, I was just kind of blown away at – how big uh not only recruiting was for the kids but you know the fans of these colleges right you know, i mean how many times i've seen kids say on twitter that uh you know i'm blessed to get an offer from a texas and then immediately get jumped on by aggies yeah yeah and it, or, or any fan based from the state and on the on the the reverse side of that coin though is you know i would say this to to any big recruit or any recruit out there that for, for this, I know you're excited to announce, and it's great, and it's a, it's it's a huge moment in your life for you and your family, and I understand all that. Celebrate it, enjoy it, but at the same time, in some sometimes just get off the internet because yeah. in some cases, and this last off season was the. I mean, you've been here longer, but the the last off season, the A and M and Texas uh, defensive backs had a big and. You know, some of it's in good fun. You know, some of it's part of the rivalry, but some of it's like, man, you don't need to be doing. You don't need to be doing it. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the the kids, uh, not just the kids, but their family, their parents. You know, it's a big step. But um, you know, social media has kind of turned this into where they have to announce and primitive animals. Yeah. So uh, just imagine whatever you know, ten, fifteen years ago. They wouldn't really. They couldn't announce it anywhere, so um, they kind of kept it himself, and and no one really was out there behind a computer, you know, changing their mind. Real quickly, and I think you'll probably touch on the DFW end of it, but for me, and that that's a good segue because, in terms of recruiting, one thing that stood out to me in Texas, uh, and Mac Engel, our columnist, Star Telegram, you should go read him because he does a really good job with the colleges as well as the pros talked about Jimbo Fisher. And uh, the, from a recruiting 
aspect, what stood out to me, seven of the top 20, I'm looking at 247, uh, seven of the top 20, including the top two, three of the top four, uh, excuse me, uh, the top two players, and excuse me, I have six, I can't do math, um, but Fisher has clearly done a good job, like he has at Florida State, and come in and made an imprint on Texas recruiting immediately. This is really his first full season uh, of recruiting, uh, and I think the the thing that, that Mac pointed out, and I tend to agree, which is that he inherited and built upon an incredible, incredible recruiting apparatus when he was at Florida State. Bobby Bowden clearly taught him how to build it, and it looks like he's doing that again here. But Mac's point was, well, he knows how to build it. He knows how to get the guys, and he knows how to identify talent. That's That much is clear. Uh, but the question is, and and I don't think it's, and maybe this is an un, this is definitely an unfair comparison. But I think A and M fans probably have a little uh, football PTSD from Kevin Sumlin about how things started so strong, and then devolved from there. And I think the interest for me, the number one thing, at least uh, when it comes to recruiting, is and the translation is, well, Fisher has clearly come in and made a huge mark on the state, even though he's not in the Big 12 like the, most of the rest of the schools. The question is, can he develop that talent? Because there are a lot of guys from this area, obviously that will consider going to Texas A&M, and a lot of talent that has the potential to go to the next level. The question is, whether it's Texas A&M's ranking or developing pro prospects, is he going to get them there? And the last point on that is, if you're, if you're an Aggie fan who's wary of it, look at Florida State right now. Now, whether the coaching situation is there with Willie Taggart is good or not, that remains to be seen. But he kind of left the program a bit of a mess. And if, and Aggie, Texas A&M has had their program left a mess before. So uh, that, for me, at least from the recruiting aspect in Texas, from the college side, is the one thing that I, I am most interested in. Yeah, he's doing a great job. Uh, they're, what, second or third recruiting class yeah, in 2019? Yeah, right up there, number two, I believe. And you mentioned the DFW kids. I mean, there's like four or five that are in the top – 200 of uh you know 24 7 sports you know uh i mentioned cam brown who's already there he was a ucla commit i know he kind of uh left ucla when uh, jim moore got and his staff got fired but uh fisher was able to kind of sway him for to a&m then you had damani richardson who's at waxahachie dylan wright a lot of speed a lot, a lot of, of secondary speed. a lot of wide receiver a lot of wide receivers brian williams who uh, is a safety at Bishop Dunn. You know, I think he was either second or third safety in the nation. So yep. he's done an incredible job. And I think he'll have no problem in developing these guys. Um, a lot of, I think most of them uh, have a shot at the next level, but uh, it seems like he's really fitting in into Texas and, and DFW specifically. Well, as always, as football fans are wont to do, uh, again, sticking with recruiting, we're going to jump ahead with a, uh, with touching on a few players with a very, very early look at 2020. Now, obviously, with the multiple sites and our discussions, these things uh, are always subject uh, to change, considering how much time there is between now and next season. But obviously, there's some talents that stand out. Again, seven months from 2019 – but there are a lot of local guys, that have some that have signed, but a lot that are, are still out there. Uh, and one guy that, that we wanted to talk about, and that's a guy from the uh, 2020 class, that's Arlington's Jahari Rogers. He already has 17 offers uh, as a quarterback. 
he had, uh, excuse me, last season, uh, 3,200 yards and 45 touchdowns. His most recent offer coming from Oklahoma. But, Brian, where else is he getting looks from? And I know it's really early in the process. I don't, I don't think we have a, a, a detailed feel uh, for where he's going to go. But where, where do you think he stands right now? And, and look into the crystal ball a little bit here. Yeah, he's uh, played quarterback Arlington. You know, Arlington started the season 11-0, and won the district title. His Really, his first year playing quarterback on the varsity team. He's actually a defensive back, uh, and I think a lot of these offers are offering him to be a DB. You know, his, one of his first offers came from Baylor, uh, most recently also coming from Florida, TCU, and Arkansas. All These are all DB offers. All DB offers, but uh, I'm sure – him playing quarterback and kind of I know on 24-7 he's listed as an, an athlete ATH um, so that's got to help uh, for his recruiting but just those are a few offers coming in Oklahoma obviously a big one and just expect uh, more more big division one offers coming his way when he's still got another season to go do you think that like I know he obviously with those types of numbers and everybody loves everyone who's ever played quarterback loves the position and, and often has a hard time giving it up do you considering all the, the attention on the DB thing do you think it's pretty much set in that he's going to end up a defensive back at the next level you know it's hard to say because he he's not playing DB uh you know in in high school he's just straight up quarterback you know I know he does some things in the offseason plays some seven on seven uh I think he plays with a program called True Buzz plays some DB there but um, it, it, it's interesting to see if the more and more he plays quarterback, if some of these colleges are going to take a chance at him, you know, running their offense. Right. And, and quickly, you know, it looks it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I'm looking at his size right now. He's listed at six feet uh, and, and 170 pounds, uh, which is which is I mean, he's going to need to put on weight. But that's not a terrible size for a DB. But for a quarterback, obviously, a lot of folks that's get, on the small. Get, end, yeah. yeah. Although, I mean. I, you you got to wonder how much. I mean, Russell Wilson kind of was first for me, Drew Brees. but Drew Brees. But Kyler Murray is probably Kyle going Murray, to become yeah. the number one example of you know guy. A guy like Rodgers might look at that and say, "Well, you know, I mean, now Murray was arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of, of high school quarterback in the history of Texas." Right. But I wonder if guys like Rodgers look at that and say, "Well, if he can do it, you know, maybe I'm not, sure. I'm sure coaches yeah, kind of yeah. think of that too. And I know we're a little biased because uh, he's in our area, but. Uh, just watching the kid play and, you know, leading the team to, to great things. You know, you got to wonder if college coaches take into account of just, you know, hey, this he's a leader and, and we want this type of kid on our team. So uh, playing quarterback has definitely helped his recruitment. And, and like I said, he's still got another season to go. Now, this one, I was a little hesitant on this one because usually usually – it, looking at guys that are 15 and 16 is uh, a bit of a mystery, but sometimes there are players that have a lot of talent and, and size and all the things that you look for in a, pro, in a projected player. And uh, one of those guys that we, we want to talk about, and, and you mentioned he'll be a household name within three years, is Quinn Ewers, South Lake Carroll. I mean, he's already 6'3", uh, and, and, and after his freshman season, it, it looks like they're going to be big things from him. You have Will Bowers, uh, also such a big part of that offense uh, the last couple of years. He's going to graduate, uh, and they're going to try to figure out where uh, Quinn ends up. You think he's he's going to end up starting next year? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's 
you know, the recruiting thing, they just kind of offered the kid because they don't want to, they want to be sure they're, they're with them. They don't want to lose them. But it's like, he didn't even play varsity. So, you know, you take a chance like that. You know, his first offer was from Ohio State. He's got more from Arkansas, Michigan, North Texas, uh, taking a chance on a, a freshman. But most of these offers, again, are just kind of, you know, they want to be there when they don't want to lose the guy to another program. So um, I do think Quinn, uh, you know, I don't know what the situation is at Carroll, but got to figure at 6'3", a big kid like that, he's probably the front runner for the starting job for uh, Riley Dodgers offense in 2019. Right, and and if of course even no matter what age you are, that's uh, that's one of those ones that's in a good position to be in. Obviously, Carroll's always going to be one of those schools that's there, and and Dodge, especially having played quarterback, uh, it's a nice place to be. Yeah, he can transition. he can help uh, develop the kid, and um, I'm sure he's done a lot of a lot of good things in the summer. Probably had big numbers on the freshman team or JV team, and so. It's probably where he's getting the most looks, but again, uh, just kind of big time coming from from a freshman with Ohio State and, and Michigan. Uh, looks uh, one one more freshman uh, to keep an eye on. That's B.J. Williams from Brewer. Uh, he picked up an offer as well. Uh, these again, these are just a few names to keep on for 2019. I believe his offer was from Colorado. Correct. I'm yeah. wrong there. So. Again, you know, we don't we, we don't want to make too much about fifteen and sixteen year olds, but you know, with the with the way that Texas high school football is trending, you know, younger guys are, are going to play some more. So, uh, just a few names to keep an eye on on the football side. Well, we're going to take a pa- hit the pause button on recruiting until next week, but we're going to switch gears now to high school basketball. I know you did a story about a team that's obviously not a stranger to uh, or teams, I should say that are, aren't strangers to anybody, same high school, and that is Mansfield Timberview. Anybody who's familiar with the DFW basketball scene, the Wolves and Lady Wolves have been a staple, and they, both the men, or the girls and the boys, rather, excuse me, seem to be primed to make a deep run. What have you seen? What have you seen from them? What was it like when you talked to them? Lay it out for me. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things that say uh, they have high expectations, you know, they expect to win when they get on the court. They expect to win when they walk through the hallways. Uh, been here for five years now, and, and term review has been, at least in our area, and we're talking both programs, boys and girls, uh, probably atop the list. You know, you take a look at both varsity teams, combined 190 wins and 21 losses uh, the last three seasons, uh, that's including this year. They're always seen to be, you know, highly ranked in the state rankings. Girls are number one in 5A. They've only lost one one game this season. And the boys are number three, sitting at 26-2. and two. Um, Trying to go for a deep run again. The girls trying to make it to the state tournament for the third consecutive year. Unfortunately, they've come up uh, as runner-ups the last two seasons. And then boys won state in 2017. And they always seem to produce a lot of great D1 talent. You know, I don't know the Lady Wolves have five this year that are signed or are going to play college basketball. And then in the past, you know, Kenny Carter, who's always been in the news. She was National Freshman of the Year last season, just, you know, tearing it up at Texas A&M. And then watch for Isaac Likely, who's a freshman. Uh, I think he's a starter at Oklahoma State. So 
Uh, check out the story. It's on DFWVarsity.com. I got to talk to both coaches, Kip Martin and, and Dwayne Gregory. Tim Review just seems to know how to do it uh, when it comes to boys and girls basketball. Yeah, and as you said, Timberview, Timberview girls, number one uh, in the 5A latest state rankings by the Texas, Texas Association of Basketball Coaches uh, and DFW, and they own the top four ranking in four boys' classes and two girls' classes. I mean, it's just both strong programs uh, there and have been, like we said, for a while. Uh, Brian, give me some other teams. Uh, I know you've got rankings uh, out or on the way. Uh, I got my own area rankings out. Uh, the TABC rankings come out every Monday. And like you said, DFW uh, typically has a great basketball scene, a uh, high school basketball scene. You know, girls on the girls' side, you know, again, Timberview is number one in 5A, but you also have Cedar Hill, which uh, early on actually handed Timberview their only loss, their top-ranked team in 6A. And then boys, you have Duncanville top at, at 6A, Lancaster in 5A. Wilmer Hutchins in the Dallas area is 4A. And then if you kind of travel out more uh, west, uh, Brock is number one in 3A, and you can even stretch it out to Lipan, the two-time state champs in 1A. So, um, you know, state tournament's coming up. Uh, the playoffs coming up, state tournament in the middle of March, and expect DFW to have a great showing in, in both boys and girls. Right, and uh, switch, switching gears a little bit from basketball, a few few programming notes here just to tease you. Uh, you know, Brian is, is working on the story. Uh, just a note about some of the local products that will be in the Patriots Rams Super Bowl this coming Sunday. That that when Brian, when's that going to be? When's that going to drop? I believe it will drop on Thursday. So uh, he we teased Rex Burkhead from Plano uh, as well as Akib Talib and others. But what was it? What was the final total you came up with with on the um, roster for these six two teams? Six total, three on each team: Rams and Patriots uh, that played high school in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Right, and Talib and Burkhead probably uh, we just we talked about it, probably the two most prominent names, and and both players uh, going to play a huge role in that game. I know the Cowboys might not be. Uh, quite Super Bowl bound yet, but but you can enjoy the DFW uh, players playing in that game and, and read about their stories uh, from Brian. Do you have Brian, do you have any other what a few other scheduling notes on your end? Yeah, I got one that's already on uh, on their site. Uh, it's only been a couple I think it's been twenty four hours, but it's getting a lot of good traffic. Uh, Daniel Wilson over at Fort Worth Pasco, she's the uh, leading scorer, leading rebounder for the girls basketball team, but the story just kind of how she kind of grew up with a single uh, parent. Um, at times, they were homeless, you know, living out of uh, hotels and motels. And now, uh, you know, if, if you talk to her, she's one of the brightest kids you'll you'll meet. Um, high score on the SAT, and now she's got a couple academic uh, scholarships to I know Tulane and Houston. So check out that story. As we, you know, lead up to signing day, we'll have more features and stories, a couple that come coming out. Another great story, DJ Oates, um, our colleague uh, Darren Lauber, did a story on him. He's from Grace Prep. I know he lost both his parents early on. Uh, You're really tragic. During tragic his stuff. high school career. Uh, then, he, then, then he made the move to Grace Prep, got almost 30 offers, and I, know, I think he's now uh, going to Colorado to play football. He also got Baylor Cup who's the number one tight end in the nation over at Brock. Um, another another colleague of ours, Rick Mock, is going to do a feature on him. 
He's signed to Texas A&M. And then look for another kid from Glen Rose, Cam Griffin, uh, you know, a first-team 4A quarterback this season. Uh, check out for, for my future there on uh, dfwvarsity.com. Right, well, the high school football season is over, but again, plenty to chew on uh, from Brian there in terms of basketball and then obviously his soccer coverage, dfwvarsity.com as well as star-telegram.com. We also, as always, have that information on our Facebook, all our social media pages, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and like. Uh, just a quick programming note, you know, we, we don't talk about numbers too much here, but you got, you know, we've had... Uh, over 10,000 downloads uh, since October for each of these podcasts uh, since we started this thing, which uh, podcast metrics are a little bit tough to figure out, but that's that's an incredible number. And I think I speak for, and Brian, you can chime in as well, but we really appreciate everything that you guys have, have done. And, and, you know, we think we found a chord here with you guys, but again, this wouldn't be possible and we wouldn't be able to keep doing this uh, without the support uh, of you guys. So I think for myself, I say thank you very much and, and hope you guys keep listening. I think Brian would say the same. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate you guys listening. And uh, so we will be back next Tuesday. Uh, and uh, everybody enjoy the high school basketball games. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Keep an eye out for all of my content and Brian's content as well. And we will see you guys next time.